This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How can I help people feel more free? How can I help people feel more connected to their potential? Um, how can I do that more? Well, that requires me to connect with more people. That requires me to to get over my own my own shit and connect with a wide variety of people who have different beliefs, different ways of doing things. Connect with them at a human level. This can't be it. There has to be more. Wait, am I crazy? No. If you're yearning for more and working hard to make your dreams a reality, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Dreamcatchers. It's the only show committed to helping you self-actualize and then transcend, leaving you with the legacy you've always desired. Listen in on conversations with successful philanthropists, entrepreneurs, and founders every week as we connect with them for inspiration, education, and direction. Your host, Jerome Myers, is here to help you exit the matrix and transform into a leader of your own revolution. The question is, do you believe your dreams should be real? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dreamcatchers podcast. I'm your host, Jerome, and we have another international guest for you guys this. I guess I should say you guys and gals this week. We went up to Ontario, Canada to find my man. Faisal Insun. Insan. Did I get it right? Or... Yeah, you got it. You got it. Close enough, man. I'm sorry about that. But so let's go there, right? I've never seen the word Insan before. So can you break down? Is that like your birth given name? Like how did how do we get there? And like what does it mean? Yeah. So I'll I'll share it in terms of a story. So this was a few years back, about I think five years or four years back. And uh, I was at a, this conference and uh, one of my close friends, Lisa, if you're watching this, <laughs> she knows that she's a coach as well. Uh, and at the time we were at this coaching certification and we used to go there together and uh, we would uh, like we'd be in the same hotel and we would walk a lot because we both like walking and talking. So the few certifications that we went to, we would do that. And we were walking back. It was I think it was in San Diego. So it was beautiful. There it was right by the water. We would walk back. And it was, I think, one of the last days of the certification. Usually you get a lot of insights in these kind of spaces, the connections that you make, the depth that's there is incredible. And we were just walking towards the hotel. We were getting close to it and I could see the water. And I had this funny thought in my mind. Um, and I was like, you know, it would be funny because uh, I kept talking about humanity and why it matters to me, like why it matters for me to get people connected to their dreams why it matters to be to create a community or communities um, and help people go in the positive direction, how that's connected to my story. Like It would be funny if my name was Insan and I kind of joked around with it. I'm like, if I gave that to my uh, best friend, uh, that would be, that would turn into, he would just call me insane if I spell it a certain way. 
thank you. Uh, that's my daughter. I got I got breakfast. <laughs> um, so uh, so we were talking about it. it was just kind of a, like a funny thought, and um, and share with her. She's like, "That's a pretty cool cool idea." I'm like, "It is." And it's one of those things. Like, uh, I don't know. I might sound crazy to this person. <laughs> um, she's like, "Yeah, it's pretty cool. You talk about this stuff a lot. It connects to who you are. It's very symbolic." And uh, and it sounds like a cool name, and and the word in song just means human. Um, uh, and then as she said, I'm like, oh okay. Uh, and then I let her go at that point. So I come home a week into it, I can't get the thought out of my mind. <laughs> I'm like, this is gonna sound crazy. Um, but I go to my wife, I share it with her, and she's like, at this point, she's used to weird things for me. <laughs> so she's like. Your family's gonna kill you, but it sounds pretty cool. <laughs> and and this is what what I mean by it, because like for an average person, if they change their last name, it might not mean that much. But I I come from a place I I, I was born in Afghanistan, and a lot of like your last name is con- connected to your lineage, and and it goes connects to your tribe, and it goes like you can go generations out, and you know where you came from. So people usually know you by your last name, and uh, so it's not like a average last name like if you are if you have a last name they know where your lineage takes you to and uh and it was funny because in the around the time when i changed my last name somebody from my culture is like why'd you change your last name why are you not <laughs> like i knew it was gonna come uh but i'm like thought about it uh and i still stayed with it it took me a few weeks to make a decision but i finally i was like you know what i think this is important to me and i changed it i told my parents afterwards <laughs> And it was a huge hullabaloo over it. It's like, why would you do that? And everybody was kind of trying to talk me out of it. And I had all sorts of reasons. But I remember I was talking to my sister-in-law. I was like in a group chat. And she was trying to say a lot of things around this. I'm like, you know what? At at the end of it, I was like, I can give you all sorts of reasons that might or might not make sense. But I just intuitively know that this is important to me. Um, And so I ended up changing it. Here are some interesting things happened um, afterwards. So first of all, nobody has this name. So if you and this was not the reason. The reason was not marketing for me. Like I just, if you search by salt and son, nobody else would show up on the internet because there are no last names that are like that, even in my culture. Another interesting thing happened going into immigration. So before this change of name. I used to get held up for long, long periods. I've actually been arrested as well going through the border, um, like put in detention because of my name. Uh, and that wasn't the reason why I changed it. But it was funny. The first time I go into the U.S. immigration and um, I, I have the new passport uh, with the new passport with the new name. And I have the old passport with me just in case they hold me. It's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> it's like, now you're changing names on us. And we already are, uh, thought you were a suspicious character. <laughs> So I go there, he looks at it, he's like, have a good day, sir. I was like, uh, this has never happened. <laughs> I almost turned around and said, are you sure? And then this happened the second time, the third time. Since then, nobody has ever stopped me. I'm just saying these are odd things that have happened. And um, and I don't know, it's just one of those things that um, felt connected to my heart and I went with it. Wow. So that level of conviction to do something like that. I mean, some people would say you're severing your tie to your homeland and you're cutting yourself off from your family and starting a new journey. Did you, did your wife and children change their name too, or just you? 
Yeah, my, my children have my last name. Uh, my wife is in the process of changing her name She because she has a UK passport. She grew up in Scotland uh, and she's in the process of getting because she had some trouble doing that. Um, but she's in the process of changing it too. So it's more of a family value than, than it is just uh, my, uh, my thing. Um, so yeah, she's changing her last name too. Uh, so, so you're it, starting it, just something completely new. I mean, it's... It's profound because I, I, I think there is a lot in a name. And I mean, you, for the folks who are parents out there listening, I think there's a lot of time and energy spent in not only the child's name, but in the spelling of the child's name and the thought that the surname, the one that is the family name, could be changed just seems outlandish. But I think it opened up doors and probably creates some opportunities in a way that you anticipated and some other ways that you didn't yeah and 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 i i i I can tell some people might think that you're severing ties um but i look at it a little bit differently uh, when it comes to culture and our origin like there's no way i can sever ties with my lineage like that's not going to happen like that's part of my dna that's part of my thinking process and a big part of who I am comes from that, uh, and and uh, and it goes back to generations. Um, but what I and there's this thing I learned from my mentor as well is that we live at different levels of consciousness. We all start with like when we're born in a family, like we have a singular. Uh, actually, it's very interesting. So going back, like um, some of the best philosophers who've thought about this and psychologists who've thought about this, when they look at children, they suspect more. So it's not fully proven, but they suspect that they have a more of a, what they, we call an oceanic consciousness um, or cosmic or universal consciousness. It means that they look at everything as a part of themselves. So they will move towards everything until their environment, the stimulus tells them not to. So they will touch the hot thing. They will go towards a stranger. They'll do whatever because they think everything is a, an aspect of themselves. Over time, the environment teaches them you go towards certain things, you don't go towards other things and their family, community, all that stuff. But then as you go through that, you you start with whatever your family teaches you within that culture. You have a family consciousness, then you have a cultural consciousness, then you have a national consciousness. Now we live in the world that we live in. There are different nationalities. Um, but then as you become more and more aware, that awareness expands and you have a, a worldview that might encompass the, all of Earth, um, maybe all of humanity, maybe over the span of um, history. And for me, what my, my transformation, the way it's happened is that um, human beings are very alike all around the world. Our needs are exactly the same. Our emotions are the same. Our thoughts, the funny things that we do are the same. Um, the weird little things that we have, quirks that we have are the same all, all around the world. Um, the things that differ are the strategies with which we meet these needs and these express these emotions and express different amazing creative ways of putting that out in the world in the forms of different cultures, religions, ways of doing things. But at the core, uh, when you're looking at us, we are human beings. Um, and um, and I work with people from all around the world. And um, you'd be shocked how much similarity there is between people and not. No matter how much they've convinced themselves politically, ideologically, religiously, or culturally that they're different. Um, and, and to me, it's that my transformation is a transformation in my consciousness. And what I want to pass on is that we're all in the same boat. Let's try to support each other. Let's try to bring more joy. Let's try to help each other understand that 
we're li living in a very complex world where everybody's trying to find a way to get along and we're not doing a very good job of it right now. <laughs> uh, and, and maybe the next generation, the defining factor will be is that how do they find a way to connect and get along with people who think differently, believe different things and, and find ways of finding common ground. And unless we can do that, we're not going in the right direction. And um, that's just uh, how I'm looking at it. And for me, it's been just a natural transition towards that because the more I've tried to develop awareness around this, the more it keeps going back to that. Well, as an individual, as a community, as a group, how do we evolve to connect with each other? How do we learn to do that? And most of human history has been that, is how do we find a way to, to come together and find commonalities that support each other versus destroy each other? Why do you think connection is so important? Uh, I would say it, it's been a huge realization for me that I used to think freedom was my highest value, but connection is my highest value. Uh, but in general, and it was very interesting because it came from coaching sessions when I was going through them myself. And um, But aside from me, like just looking at human beings in their core, like what are we hardwired to do? We're hardwired to connect. Why? Because we're a social species. We see each other in relation. We, we see ourselves in relation to each other. Like think about the roles that we have. We're a parent. We're, um, uh, we're, um, uh, we're a husband. We're a wife. We're, um, we're a community leader. Uh, our thinking is around those things. We're a business owner. What do you do in business? It's in relation to your clients, your collaborators. Um, everything that we do, every role that we are in is in relation to somebody or someone in our life. Actually, a lot of our identity starts to dissipate or disappear as soon as we pick these roles out of the picture. Uh, there are deeper identities, or I wouldn't say identity, there is a deeper experience of consciousness, which I would call a spiritual experience, which is outside of these roles. But in our day-to-day -day life, our everything that we do is, is related to these roles. And what do we do? We find a sense of connection with these roles. And if we can feel connected in all these roles, we usually have a fairly good quality of life. If we feel connected to our kids, if we feel connected to our uh, family, our spouse, our uh, business partners, our collaborators, our clients, if we're adding value, if we feel like we're contributing, we usually have a higher quality of uh, thinking and feeling. If we feel like those things are not going very well, the quality of thinking and feeling starts to go downhill. And I see that in day-to-day -day lives of my clients. That's what they start. Most people struggle with relationships more than anything else, relationship with themselves and others. So that's interesting because I think most people feel like they can compartmentalize that and just and they do. show up and do the thing. Do you think that's real? Yeah, it's, it's real. We, and it's very interesting. The human mind is able to compartmentalize a lot of things. Um, I mean, we learned that early on as children. So, for example, and in this, our system is fairly intelligent when it comes to that. So, for example, uh, think about this scenario. Uh, there's a little girl or boy who's looking forward to seeing uh, his or her dad who's come from a long day of work. And the dad is frustrated. Business is not going well. All sorts of things happen throughout the day. The kid does not know. The kid is only in his or her little world. She's just excited to see her dad. Uh, and the dad comes in, opens the door, and the kid just goes running and excited to see dad. And he has grocery bags or something. He just like goes all over. He's like, give me a minute to, to, to put myself together. The dad yells. And the kid looks completely overwhelmed not knowing what just happened, confused, disconnected, rejected by the very source where he or she feels connected to and sees life through. 
And um, now to the dad, like obviously the dad cares about the child, but he has a very different experience of life. So what happens to that kid? And we understand enough about child psychology to know is that the kid in that moment does not have the tools to process that yet does not have the experience to process that. And usually kids tend to make that about themselves because their world is really small and they think that something is off about them. Well, why did dad say that? There must be something wrong with what I did and what I was. It had nothing to do with the kid. Dad had just a bad day. And if it was an adult, I'd be like, okay, I need to give this person some space. (laughs) But if it's a kid, kid goes and doesn't know how to process it. System is overwhelmed. Too many emotions, big emotions in there. So what the system does for the child to be functional compartmentalizes. And because we're human beings, it knows that at some point, somebody should be ideally supporting this kid to process that emotion. It puts it aside so somebody can support this kid. Ideally parents, but also the family, the tribe, the community. Here's the problem. It doesn't happen. And on top of that, multiple incidences like that happen in our life where we feel disconnected. And in the words of Dr. Gabor Mate, these are called t- small t trauma. The not the big T trauma where we get abused physically or emotionally, but these are like small T trauma when we don't feel like our parents are present with us or the people in our life care about us or that we matter in some way to them or not. And these little T traumas build up in our system and we compartmentalize them. And usually these are emotional in nature. And because they're too much to handle for our system, they get compartmentalized. And over time, as adults, we're walking, talking time bombs. And we don't know as adults how to process them because we never learn them. And there are thousands of these compartmentalized components of us, like hidden in our system. And where does it show up? We have a team meeting. Somebody says something, triggers a moment from our past. We lose our shit. It has nothing to do with that moment. We're stuck in the past. Nobody taught us. So what we do is we, we've trained ourselves to get to compartmentalize all sorts of things. Thoughts, usually they're emotional in nature, but they're connected to thoughts, visuals, so many things. And we don't have the awareness to process them. And I see this in my clients. It's very easy for people to shove aside in the name of being an adult. Uh, But the problem is they're, they're not able to, it looks like they're functional, but they're not. They get depressed in their own life because they don't know what that stuff means. And the way most people deal with them is they go towards things that would distract them from those painful aspects of them. Well, how do the people distract? Well, let's take a list survey. Uh, drugs, alcohol, uh, social media, shopping, uh, the, the, the thirst for power, for money, anything you bring. Like it's, it's not the thing itself. It's our own addictive nature because we haven't dealt with a bunch of stuff that we need to deal with. And, and that's including me because I've gone through this in my life. I, I'm aware of it. You know, what's most interesting about what you said. So what you call distract, I call numb. And I feel like they're numbing the pain. They're numbing the mm. highs. They're numbing the lows. Yeah. And they think they're just numbing the lows. And they don't realize that they can't numb the low without numbing the high because it contracts the band that they're able to. I completely experience. agree. Yeah. You, you can you can pick and choose which emotions you're going to feel more. So if you don't feel the depth of the other spectrum of emotions, like your fears, pains, and angers, and frustrations, you can't feel your joy and connection and happiness, the other ones either. Emotions are in a spectrum. And like you said, that contracts everything. So let's, let's go to the other place, because you said something that was really profound. And I, I was like, man can I just let that go or do we have to go? And like, we're going to put our, our scuba diving mask on now because this is I love that. sad. Freedom, I thought was my most important value, but a connection 
is truly the most important value. How did you come to that realization? Yeah, I, I think um, I, I spent a very big part of my life, um, I'd say the first 30 years of my life, um, uh, repressing and suppressing uh, what really mattered to me. Uh, my uh, and I never acknowledged my emotions until I was forced to until I was at the brink of addictions at the brink of depression at the brink of suicidal stuff uh, and then my own system forced me to face a lot of that stuff and then it wasn't until much later and, and this is like late 20s early 30s when I was beginning to acknowledge all this stuff and um, I realized that I was caged in so many ways I was free physically um, but I was caged in my own mind and my own consciousness. Um, the the bars around me were not visible, um, but they were tangible. They were real. I couldn't think outside of that box. I couldn't feel outside of that box, outside of that cage. And um, it was a painful process. And the, the, the bars were in the form of beliefs. The bars were in the form of uh, repressed emotions. The bars were in the form of um, suppressed desires. The bars were in the form of unacknowledged um, aspects of myself. The bars were in the form of not being able to express myself the way that mattered to me. The bars were in the form of not being able to be confident and connected to myself that I am a contributing member of the world and I want to contribute in the way that matters to me, but not even knowing what that means. Um, and so, and, and I had been spending a lot of time trying to figure that out. Um, and I'm still on that quest, by the way. Uh, yeah, that's that's not that. a that's a lifelong journey. <laughs> it, it, for me, at least, it is, and for many people, it is. And um, and so, a lot of my freedom came from uh, understanding those things and experiencing different aspects of myself that I couldn't, before, and slowly starting to open up the those uh, breaking down the the that metaphorical um, prison that I was in, that cage that I was in. And as the as the bars started coming down, it was interesting. I had this dream of creating a life of freedom, and I did. And, and at, at this point, I travel the world with my family. I work from wherever I want. I do mostly what I want within reason. <laughs> but uh, uh, and I realized that that's not what I was seeking. Like those are good things to have, but it was actually most of freedom was internal in nature, and that need. As soon as I acknowledged those things, that need was very met very quickly. Um, and that's why when I talk about freedom, I don't just talk about the external freedom. Yeah, it's important to have resource freedom. It's important to have location freedom. It's important to have uh, time freedom. Uh, but if you don't have an internal consciousness freedom, you will feel caged in your life. You will be depressed. You will be disconnected. You will be all sorts of things. But then the reason why, when I started, re uh, like I said, when I was like started going deeper into these things, I realized, like, what was I seeking when all my needs were met? What was I seeking? And um, th this has come up so much this year because um, there's been a lot of progress in my business and in my life, and I've been able to contribute in the way that I wanted to for a while. And I still remember this event that I came from. I was telling my wife, I'm, I'm like, you know, I, I feel full. I feel like all my needs are met. It's like the only direction I can go from here is to serve. The only direction it can go is to overflow, whether it's love or it's, it's service or connection or whatever it is. It will show up in different ways. But that's the only correct direction I can see myself going in. And uh, what that kind of made me go towards more and more is that how can I connect? How can I help people? feel more free? How can I help people feel more connected to their potential? Um, 
how can I do that more? Well, that requires me to connect with more people. That requires me to to get over my own uh, my own shit and and connect with a, a wide variety of people who have different beliefs, different ways of doing things. Connect with them at a human level, regardless of who they are, what they believe, what they do, and get down to what really matters to them. Because most of what people say ma- that matters to them, it doesn't matter to them. They're just repeating things that they were told that they they should repeat things, whether it's political, religious societal, social, or even related to their own life, career, anything. They're all very surface things. When you get down to what matters to people and their needs and their dreams and all that stuff, their emotions, you find a whole different dimension of people. That's where you start to see the genius of people. That's where you start to see the, um, the, the amazing, unique parts of human beings. Every, every psychoanalyst, every psychologist, every coach knows this. As you go deeper, you find these weird things that people have they never shared with other people. <laughs> like they are at the surface, they're like a carbon pop- copy of everybody because that's a safe thing to do. But deep down, they're very unique in their own little ways. They have these little quirks, a little way of doing things, a little ways of coming up with ideas that happen. They will never share with anybody. A lot of times they won't even acknowledge it to themselves because it would make them feel too much tension in their environment. But when you find that out, then people find better ways of communicating with other people and connecting with others. And they find better ways of contributing, especially in the world that we live in where we have a lot of resources to do stuff like that. So that's what kind of got me towards connections. Like I, I have a, like I love connection much more than that because we can do a lot with connection. A lot of people want to unlock their ultimate potential but lack the strategy, support, and stamina necessary to achieve their major goals. They often try to overcome these challenges by trying to do it on their own, causing frustration, fatigue, and eventually failure. We have developed a model for a center life, aka the red pill, to help them bolster their beliefs, gain clarity on their path to success, and provide accountability as they take action on their goals. When they take the red pill, they rapidly accelerate attainment of their goals and begin to experience a life of significance and impact. Want to find out more? Hop over to JeromeMyers.co. Now, let's get back to the episode. So you've, you've brought up consciousness a few times, and then you hinted at the programming that so many people experience. So is consciousness and programming different? Well, it, it depends how we define it. But I mean, when I look at, con- you can define consciousness in all sorts of ways. But the way I look at it is that what makes us aware, our awareness is consciousness. Even neuroscientists are beginning to understand is that if there's anything real, is it's, it's our consciousness. They are not even sure if the world is real. It might be a projection of our own consciousness. And same thing, like Buddhists used to say that for a long time in every spiritual tradition is that everything is an illusion. It's an illusion of your own perception and your perception comes from your consciousness, but they would connect it to your soul. And I might even, you might even go to length to figure out, to, to kind of project it that consciousness might be your soul. We don't know how tangibly that works in, in like universal physical sense or energetic sense because we don't understand it fully but i ascribe consciousness to the basic foundation of what we're aware of and it's not just at the level of conscious it's at a level of subconscious and unconscious so if you followed any work from carl jung is one of my favorite psychologists and and, uh, one of my favorite books from him two books i love is one is psychology and religion the other one is Memories, Dreams, and Reflections. It's his autobiography. And it's one of the most interesting books that was kind of uh, recommended by uh, the philosopher Alan Watts. And I read it. I'm like, oh, my God, 
here's a doctor, um, a clinical uh, psychologist. He was exploring everything from the influence of religion, culture on us. And this is the time where we're, um, uh, we're talking about 1930s to 70s or something like these are very turbulent times during uh, world wars, uh, Europe going through all sorts of stuff. And he was gathering a lot of uh, perspectives and he was living in a Christian world and he was trying to make sense of his world. Uh, but he was looking at it from a philosophical and metaphysical and psychoanalytic perspective. And what he really, as he talked about it more and more, what he discovered was that there are different levels of consciousness that we have. And most people live at the level of subconscious uh, which is our automatic processes, and that's where we call our program. So it means that the first few years that, a, for example, a human child living in any culture, in any family, the first few few years is the programming period. And, and it's actually uh, Dr. Noah Harari in his book Sapiens talks about it, is that human beings are more like molten glass. Like we have the ability to be molded in so many different ways uh, versus another animal that might break if you mold it too much because they have more physical needs versus psychological and these our psychology is very flexible so a human child the first seven six seven years of his or her life is the period where they're uh, dr bruce lipton says that we have we are in theta state so it's the same state that you would be if you were under hypnosis uh, where your conscious mind is out of the way you will believe anything anything that's given to you you will believe it you will take it in that's with no question whatsoever and children will look at anything like you give them santa claus or fairies or unicorns or uh, or uh, nazi propaganda they will take whatever <laughs> and they'll make it as part of them that doesn't mean that's what they believe that's just their they, that's their adaption process that they need to adapt quickly to the human life to that tribe so they can grow and thrive with it that's very natural and very powerful now the problem is that as we live in a world like if, if that human being was living in a tribe and and or in a small community and that's what everybody believed the same thing would be just fine would be normal that child would grow and thrive in that environment but now we're living in a world with conflicting visions thoughts processes beliefs and the child gets out and is like what the fish do i believe <laughs> and it's confusing confusing right we live in a very confusing world right now this has never been the case um jim jim quick from limitless he talks about it, is that we are exposed to more information in in uh i think it's uh, in a year in this world uh compared to somebody in the middle ages in a lifetime that's a huge amount of information everybody's under information overload and nobody knows how to make sense of that information and on top of that we have this programming that tells us something specific to believe and it doesn't connect to other things that other people are saying and no wonder people are depressed no wonder people are disconnected because they don't know what to do they, they would rather numb their pain than deal with it because it's too much i did that um and so now, the deeper levels of consciousness that Carl Jung went into is the unconscious, which we, in the spiritual world, we call the soul world, the spiritual world. And, and he was talking about it. This is where our consciousness connects with each, whether it's human consciousness or everything probably on Earth and universe at multiple levels, you go deeper, is that um, we have a deeper level of um, consciousness that brings the knowledge, information, and so many aspects of cultures that have long gone or that are here and they're all a part of us um and uh, and this is why like like at this point i've realized even the cultures who are gone they leave behind so much within us within our within our dna and, and it stays with us 
and it shows up in different places based on whatever we need uh, in different groups and different like there's a huge revival of for example spiritual world like the awareness consciousness is becoming a very dominant thing for a while it wasn't the case mm-hmm. why is it coming back because there's a need for it where did they come from these came from ancient cultures that most people don't know anything about but it's within our consciousness is within the memory of our collective spiritual whatever you want to call it we don't fully understand it but i think it's there and that's where we talk about intuition that's where we talk about other things that we can't explain but we know that it's right it's true it's like we know something is real but we can't explain it and we do it i'm like oh i love that i did that i couldn't explain it but and, and this is where dreams come in for example i didn't know i was going to be on this path but there was something inside of me is like this is important to you no matter what the hardships are this is important to you don't let it go everybody has that inside of them it's just that they ignore it they numb it down along with everything else that they numb down so are you suggesting that it wasn't just easy and everything worked as you expected it to work or dreamed that it would work? Oh, I never said that it was easy. <laughs> so the, the, as my mentor, Brandon Burchard, he would say is that um, you, we never uh, said that it would be easy. We just said that it would help you grow. Uh, and the path is that of growth. It's not The promise is not that it would get easier or, or the path is easy. Um, but the promise is more that it will help you connect to who you are deep down and it will help you build the resiliency, the strength, the, the wisdom to deal with whatever is to come. I mean, life is not meant to be an easy thing like every day. Like, I mean, every day I talk to clients like they have a death in the family, they have illness, they have uh, like all of a sudden, like they spent the past four years building their business. Now they're multimillionaires. And they have so much abundance in their life. All of a sudden, they get the news that their nine-year-old daughter has cancer. Would you consider that easy? Of course, that's not easy. That's 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 heartbreaking thing. Like if you're a parent, like my kids had cold last week, and now my heart was breaking. Now somebody has cancer. How do you deal with that? Like nobody knows how to deal with that. But then a lot of it is you you build uh, you you connect to the natural aspects of life where you expect death, you expect illness, you expect tragedy, but you also expect joy, you expect connection, you expect an experience that is valuable. You connect to the to the present moment and what matters to you. You don't avoid problems, you don't numb it down, you become open to what life has to offer. Um, there's this idea of life where you, when you make it, you're going on these, uh, like, life is daisies and... Uh, fields of meadows and you're on your yacht i talked to a lot of people who are on their yachts and private jets and all that stuff and they're miserable <laughs> some of them some of them are very happy some of them are, it's not the jets and the yachts and the houses that they have it's the quality of their inner and outer experience and that needs to be cultivated that requires a lot of work that requires a lot of growth and we've been given this illusion that just because you create the external things you will get the quality that you want you will get the growth that you want no not necessarily not necessary. So what does get us to the place where we get the thing? Sorry, you got what does get us to what gets us to the place where we get the thing? Because you said it's not guaranteed if you create money. So is there a thing that if you actually get it or achieve it, that you get this thing that we're hoping to have or achieve? Experience maybe is probably a better word. Yeah. So I'll give a caveat to all this. Um, I hope everybody listening has kind of picked up something uh, at least to what i've alluded i look at life as an experiment <laughs> to be honest uh, a lot of the shit that i'm saying might be true right now it might not be true uh, three days from now on 
So listen to me, not from an expert point of view, but from somebody who is going to help you think a little bit about your life. And so far, what I've been able to figure out, there are a lot of things that I don't know. Uh, but the few little things that I've been able to figure out is that life is um, a dance between our internal and external experience. And they both need to be worked on. Some people will say, well, no, I'm going to go on this hilltop and be a monk and I'll be away from people. And that's an experience. You can choose to do that. There's nothing wrong with that. And, and I've been attracted to something like that. And maybe I will at some point. But when you look at life, um, there are reasons why the way things have gone around. There are people around you that consistently make you face so many aspects of yourself. For example, if you've ever been in an intimate relationship, after you go through the honeymoon period, you're looking at the other person, why the hell am I with this person? <laughs> and uh, But then it's very easy to move off of it. But then what is this person teaching me about me? What am I mm -hmm. seeing in that person that's so triggering to me? And as soon as you notice them that that person becomes your biggest teacher in life. You look at your enemy, the person that you call your enemy, the group that you call your enemy. What is it in that group and that person that really incites something within you? That becomes your biggest teacher in life. This was ancient wisdom. A lot of people, when you, people used to go in war, they had respect for their enemies for that reason, because their enemies were teaching them a lot about life. It was a part of the spiritual tradition. It, now we have these like divisions between like, oh, don't go to war, peace, peace, everything, but everybody's fighting within themselves. Um, but that wasn't the case for a long time. So um, what I've been able to gather is that this dance between the internal and external world shows up everywhere is that the, the challenge is that we live in a world where we're taught to focus on the external world. We're taught to focus on the job, on the money, on, because those are the those are the things that even our adults know to do. Like, and, and this is, this was a very odd thing for me when I started talking to professors, scientists, engineers, uh, politicians. When I started working with them, I'm like these guys must know what they're doing. So let me have like like I'm like they're scholars, they're scientists, and I'm getting this as I go deeper past the thing that they are very skilled in, like their own specific field. You go a little bit deeper is like. Why the fuck am I listening to this person? Sorry, I don't know. <laughs> you can edit that out. Like they have all sorts of shit, shit that they've shoved down. They have all sorts Doubt. of fear, biases, disconnections, hatreds, just like every other human being. And that's why Steve Jobs, somebody who said that is like, the world is run by people who are no more smarter than you and I. And we look up to these people, but they're just average human beings. They've just figured out a couple of skill sets that puts them on the top of the food chain. But they're also influencing a group of people that who are not aware that these are human beings. They make a lot of mistakes. They don't know a lot of shit. We figure that out with our parents pretty quickly when we become an adult. I'm like, they fucked up. <laughs> but we will, we will screw up too, just like our parents, because we're human beings, right? But then the... And so our teachers, our our parents, our politicians, they did, did it just teach us what they were taught. Like, I'm, we don't need to blame anybody. They just teach us whatever it is for them. Like, if you were to go to a professor or a teacher and you look at them in the eye, it's like, is, is your life fulfilling? Is your life joyful? Are you connected to one? Like, it would be rare that you would get answers like that. I've had one professor who had so much joy and connection. He brought so he inspired me in so many ways. He was my psychology professor, interestingly, because he studied the, the the different parts of himself. But most people will teach you things 
um, adults pass on things just as this habit because we subconsciously do it. But that doesn't mean that that thing that they're passing on is effective or that actually works. Parts of it will work. Parts much a big part of it won't. This is where questioning things comes in. So we've been all like our common sense is geared towards doing things for external reasons. But then as you actually look at human life, a lot of our uh, misery, disconnection, or a lot of our lack of um, uh, lack of fulfillment of purpose comes from this education that gets us to focus on the external world. But a lot of this, these things are in the internal world. It's in the, in the place of how do we manage our thoughts? How do we buy into our beliefs and thinking that's given to us? How do we manage our emotions? How, how much depth have we created spiritually in our consciousness? Um, how do we connect with the deeper parts of ourselves? Do we know a side of ourselves that does not get influenced by these other things that are in our environment, the surface things? What are, what are the values that really connects us to other people? Are they just cultural values that were given to us? Are they just the things that are close to us? And all that stuff requires a lot of self-reflection. It requires a lot of tools to work through them. It requires a, a level of uh, deeper, deeper dialogue which comes from things like coaching. It comes from things like philosophical dialogue, which comes from things, understanding the metaphysical, uh, having a metaphysical awareness, which comes from having a bigger perspective, which comes from being exposed to different things, different experiences. And most people don't have that. And they're not encouraged to pursue that. What we're encouraged to pursue is the next job, the next promotion, the next uh, relationship. Those things are all good in that context, but what's the quality that you're bringing? Because in every context, you're going to bring yourself into that picture. And who is that self that's showing up? And I think focusing more on the inner world and also looking at the external world as that there's a connection between the two can really help us grow. And that requires that you, I mean, simple things can help, like start reading books, start spending time alone, alone. Start getting support for the things that you're, you've suppressed or things that you've repressed that you're not even aware of. Start getting coaching. Start being around people who talk about deeper things or who are building things, who are purposeful. Like these things, just simple things like that can help you. But your own little environment that you grew up in, your own little comfort area will not help you grow, unfortunately. And most people are stuck in that environment, their environment of beliefs, their environment of thinking, their local uh, world that they grew up in, the same people that they interact with who will think the same thing for the next 30 years. Um, so unless you're, you're kind of moving off of that, and finding your path, your inner path, you probably don't know who you are. In the words of Socrates, um, I'll just quote him saying that, um, if I remember the quote, yeah, I love this quote, but I'm slipping my mind. Um, oh, I completely slipped my mind. That goes my profound moment. <laughs> no, I think it'll come back. It, it gives me an opportunity to jump in because I remember specifically being in a session with a client and saying, you don't know who you are. And it was offensive for her. It was very offensive. But I could see parts and pieces of her that I don't even know if she was aware were impacting her and holding her back or her not accepting that she had these special talents and unique gifts and wasn't actually harnessing them to create the life that she wanted to create. And so I, I think what you're offering to us is very profound. The the task to go find out who you are and not who other people told you to be, because it's very easy for us to accept that identity. 
the identity that's placed on us by other people that say they want the best for us, but maybe they're just trying to get us to repeat the things that they've done uh, for the people who want to protect us so we don't experience any pain, even though that's a part of growth. And I can continue to go down the list of all of the well-meaning, well-intentioned things that folks do that in the end, I think, end up being a negative impact on our life when you look at the overall impact. So, you know, some people out there may be listening, scratching their head and asking, well, how do I find out who I am if who I am isn't the person I've been? And I, (laughs) I think it's a real opportunity for folks to dig in and go really deep and start to pull off the calluses and some of the other things that we do in order to bury the pain and the discomfort. Yeah. Well, I love that challenge statement that you gave to your client. You don't know who you are, even if they were offended. That's a that's a profound statement to hear from somebody because often that shocks you. And I think one of the most useful things in conversations that we need to shock people because most people are so stuck in their own routines of thinking and feeling and doing um, that they will just continue that on until their body, uh, like Dr. Gabor Mate wrote this book, When the Body Says No, when some illness comes up, which is not random, which is related to their emotions which is related to so many things that they've gone through until their own system stops them. And that same thing happened to me. I, I was I was damaging my own system. I was I was damaging my own relationships. I was addicted to so many things. I was disconnected. I was depressed. I was suicidal. But I, I was very good at being a functional adult. There are a lot of people walking around like that. And that's not healthy for them, for their family, for their society. You can give all sorts of information and so-called education to give them skill sets. That does not solve our problems. No, the application of that against a specific problem can solve a lot of problems, but having the information, knowing and doing are not the same thing. And I think so many people skip that. I think it's why people buy all the products, put them on the shelf, never read them or download the book and don't listen to it. It's uh they think the transaction is the thing that makes the difference. And the transaction is only, from my perspective, an allocation of a resource that you have. And depending on where you sit in the world, it may be your most important resource to you, even though it's not the only one that's not renewable. And so, I, again, I think the point is profound. And, so, and I, I mean, I work with investors a lot, and I know there might be investors listening to this, people who are well off enough to kind of think about like, capital raising, investing, or putting their money somewhere. And I I always say it's like your biggest investment is yourself. Like it starts with you. Like there's nothing will give you more of an ROI than understanding yourself because that has a compound effect, um, an exponential effect on your life. Um, Because what it tends to do is it makes you show up a certain way as a leader. It makes you show up a certain way as a as a husband, as a wife, as a as a as a son, as a daughter, as um, as a as a citizen that you cannot replace with any kind of external investments because it changes the quality of how you interact with people, whether it's in business transactions or it's in your personal life. And that's why I, I work, even though I work with a lot of people who are in business and, and, and mostly in business and entrepreneurs, you know, what I what I help them do is discover, like you said, who they are in the picture. Because once they figure that out, then everything else becomes much simpler, not easier, much simpler to work through. It becomes simpler because you've cut away all of the things that are actually making a meaningful impact. 
Simplicity yeah. and clarity are the game if you want to make progress. Yeah, yeah. I, I spend a huge amount. Like I, I have a webinar happening next, actually today, one next week. And I, I always start with, with clients. I want to know their vision. I want to know what deeply matters to them. Their vision comprises of the things that they're creating. A lot of people focus on that, but who they're becoming in the process, how they're seeing their contributions to be in that ideal life they're creating. And it takes them deep down. I want them to go into the rabbit hole of what Matt, the things that they haven't acknowledged. And then I walk them through an experience for them to actually experientially see what that is. And a lot of times when people go through an experience like that, they're like dumbfounded. They will just sit there. They're in shock. They're like, what is that? And because they were always thinking about goals and usually people's goals are connected to what they were told they should be or they picked it up somewhere has nothing to do with them. Um, and they heard something that looks nice, feels nice, but that's not who they are. That's not their path. And, and this gaining clarity uh, and the depth of clarity can really transform the direction that you go in your life. And that doesn't happen in your day-to-day things that you do. You need to take yourself outside of your day-to-day things, whether that takes the form of a, a coaching program or that takes the form of you go, go out and travel, live in a different part of the world and see how people are doing things shock your system because it has not it's nothing like you <laughs> you might think that that what you're doing is normal it's not like it's not that um and and start to self-reflect start to spend time alone and you will notice that your your thoughts are very hard to live with your emotions are very hard to live with don't distract yourself you'll find out that the hardest thing to do is spend time alone and if you and, and there was somebody who said that the the most dangerous and most powerful person is somebody who can spend time alone because they have been some they are somebody who can conquer their own fears who can count, conquer their own self-doubts who can conquer their own demons and dragons and if you can do that the world is as difficult as it is to be navigate the world it's not that difficult it is not well man time has flown by i i'd love to ask you the question that i i, I ask every guest to kind of wrap this thing up and put a bow on it um, and, and that question is, what's the gift that you're giving to the world? I think um, the gift that I'm giving to the world is awareness more than anything else, uh, the depth of awareness. And second to that is uh, the gift of being able to connect with their own family, with their own community, with their own uh, world. Um, and I think those two things, once you develop awareness and who you are and your potential and your dreams, and you're able to connect with others, most of your problems are solved. And not only that, you become the contributor in the world because you become somebody who's a leader who builds organizations, who builds families, who builds communities, who builds uh, the future of the world that we're in. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it from the dream catcher himself. Faisal, this was an awesome interview. We dove deep. We talked energy. We talked consciousness. We talked finding out who you are. We talked about solitary or solitude and the ability to go deep and really uncover and feel the things that we're experiencing. And I don't think most people understand how much of a gift that is. So thank you for bringing that to our community. It's been an honor. And I, I'll, thank you for giving me the, the space to do that. And thank you for your presence. And and uh, I can already tell you're you're a deep coach because you have the deeper listening skills. Uh, that That's a rare gift. So thank you for giving me that space. And I appreciate that. To the listeners, your dreams should be real. We'll talk soon. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.